Bienvenidos, Guardians. It's July. July. Golly. <laughs> wow. I don't know why I had July in my head. You're looking forward to the ne- next weekend. It's in it. It's July in in Mexico. Maybe. No, it's not. No, that's not <laughs> how that works. No. All right. Well, it's June. It's June 26, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode 29, and. Uh, and we've made a big deal about the notes, uh, how long they're getting, and it's because there is a lot of information here, um, especially since it's taken us two weeks to, to put them together. Uh, I, got the, I got a tedious job of copying and pasting and, and dropped it all the fun research and in-depth stuff, as per usual, because drop is awesome. Um, so get ready, because this is all about our exes. No. X, wait, XOs? No. Maybe, Vex, maybe, the, vexes? maybe the Vexes? No. X, X's as in exotics. So yeah, this is oh. it. This is our exotics episode. And some of them are actually X's, things that we can't go back to and can't have fun with anymore. Um, oh. But yeah, I mean, you can. You can, I guess. They're just not as, it's definitely not, not, a, a, not safe because people will get mad at you if you do that so especially with certain hand cannons that didn't get carried over um but (laughs) let's (laughs) let's look at some of the lore behind these these great exotic weapons uh and we're gonna start with primary weapons uh not sure which which flavor of primary yet but we're gonna we'll decide as we go and we will hit each section and there are so many exotics from the first two years, and we're going to cover them all. Probably not in this episode, but we will get there, and we will cover them. Everyone's been asking about it, so here we go. I'm X-Ray, and this week I've got uh, Drop Slash. How's it going? It It's going. It's two weeks worth of notes going. Uh, but I wanted to get this episode done before Rise of Iron, because we will be getting new exotics, most likely in Rise of Iron. <laughs> it just uh, gets worse from here. Yeah, so <laughs> right. let's... I figured this was a good, uh, this is heavily requested and it's a good topic that we can, you know, we're going to get a lot of, not just traction out of this, but there's a lot to cover. And I think a lot of people maybe take exotics for granted a little bit, but some of them have really deep lore. Some of them have great development stories. Uh, there's a, there's a lot here to cover. So awesome. And we also have uh, gavel ratchet. What's up? Um, I have I have three words to say about it's, Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Hang on, let me, to, let me make sure I'm prepared. To, do I need to go away from the mic for a minute? Okay, are, are you ready? No, I don't want to. Holy f***ing <laughs> sh- Man. I was hoping for winter is here, but. <laughs> I told you I was going to say something you had to edit. Yeah, I got to edit. That's Okay. It's worth it, and it wasn't a spoiler, it. so I'm happy. Um, <laughs> other than that, you've been tooling around on the beach and fishing and drinking and yeah. having a good time, spent and I've a, been really jealous this past like week. Yeah, yeah I spent too. the week in Gulf Shores, Alabama, on the beach awesome. with the family, and uh, so drove back today, so I spent 10 hours in a car earlier today, Oof. Uh, and here I am, so let's do it. <laughs> no snoring will be edited out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right um let's get it going uh but i've got some announcements uh so 
We missed last week, uh, and it was Father's Day and birthdays and whoa, what? The U.S. Open was last week. Yeah, the U.S. Open is always on my dad's birthday. Oh, nice. Um, I used to watch that back once upon a time. I don't watch much sports anymore. Just time. Uh, NBA Finals Game Seven, which was Game nuts, of Thrones. Nuts here. I live in <laughs> I live in Oakland, so the, oh that Game oh, Seven, yeah, of course. It, 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 overall, it was a busy day. It was a busy weekend, um, and so we were, we just we weren't we weren't feeling it. We were we wanted to take a break and enjoy the day. So we're back though, and this is going to be a doozy. Uh, so we're sorry about that, and, and once again, we're we're trying to make it up. So, all right. Last episode, we mentioned how we had a one star review, and on iTunes, and the person didn't leave a comment. And guess what? We got another one-star review. And they left a comment. And I'm not really... I'm kind of... I, but it's not a really a one-star review, even though it only had one star. Um, I'm going to... I don't... Yeah. Well, maybe I, they'll hear this and go back and change it to five. I hope they do, because I don't really... I mean, it's it's funny. It's definitely worth it. Worth it. And I hope people don't get the, the great idea. Ooh, they're going to read all the one-star reviews. I'm not. I'm not reading any more of them, so don't do it. <laughs> this is the end. This is it. When did I can't say this name. Wendenz W E N D I N Z H. Sounds like so an I'm exotic. Say Wendy. I don't feel like stars represent how much I like ghost stories. <laughs> that was the comment to go along with the one star with a little smirky smile. So that's a that's good, right? Isn't that kind of like a well, good review with a one star? Maybe that means he feels like one star is too much. Maybe. Well, I mean, one of the best Titan exotics in the game is Helm of Saint-14, and its perk is called Starless Knight, so maybe. Mm, maybe. Maybe you just couldn't leave zero stars. <laughs> I wanted to that bomb you really bad, but I had to leave at least one. Guy hates us. <laughs> or girl. Guy or girl. Don't know. Um, either way, thanks for the comment with the one star. Yeah, um, if it is a one star, leave it. If it's not, go back and change it, and yeah. Or join our fan chat. Yeah, join our fan chat, and we'll have a good time. Those reviews, those reviews really help. So, <laughs> yeah, that one especially, right? No, we've we've had some good reviews. There's some some great ones. I wish I had more time to read it, but we've got some other news. This past week, uh, Handsome Dragon and I were guests on the third episode of the Kicked in the Bolts podcast. It's a uh, it's a just a weekly general news and, and updates Destiny podcast uh, with the hosts Kickahaw two five seven seven and Bolt Pride 951. And those guys are great. Man, those guys were fun to talk to. We had a good time. Go check it out. We'll put the put the link to their podcast in our in our notes. Um, they run about an hour per episode, so not not too long. But if you're looking for uh, something new, something uh, kind of fresh uh, from some some unknowns at this point, it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, and I'll tell you what else. I was kind of you know, I love the the community. And when these guys, one of them, uh, Bolt, he joined our, our podcast, or podcast, our listener chat, and I am me, and he emailed us and said, hey, we love your show, would love to see if you'd be interested in having, being a guest on our show, I know we're new, and, and understand if you don't have time, and da, da, da. I jumped at it, I'm like, yes, absolutely, because I remember what it was like when we got our first guests, and it was it was an amazing feeling, 
And I'm like, absolutely, you know, when can we do it? And it took a matter of a day and a half for us to set it up, set it up. And uh, we jumped in there and kind of pre-show, we were just chit-chatting a little bit. And he's like, yeah, we, we reached out to a couple people and didn't hear anything back. And, and so we kind of figured that, you know, we didn't really expect to hear back from you. But when we did, we were really excited. And, you know, if any if there are any other podcasters or content creators uh, that are, are in the community and anyone reaches out to for you to be a guest, man, definitely consider it. And, and, and if not just considering it, do it. I mean, it's your I mean, it's a great way to help other people out and get get started. And it's. It's an amazing feeling um, on both ends. You know, I, I had a great, great time, and I know they really appreciated us being on there. So, go check them out. Great show. Uh, and the last little announcement I have is uh, one of our our friends in our listener chat. Um, and I always, I, I'm not sure about this one. Untines is that how we're gonna say his name? That's not right. I don't know. U n t e i n s. I haven't played with him, so I haven't asked him how to pronounce his name. But he joined and was working on this app called Crossroads, and uh, he asked some people in our in our listener chat to do some beta testing on it, and then uh, he, within like a couple weeks, it was live, and he was up at E3, uh, trying to trying to get some publicity for it and, and handing out some stuff, and and uh, it's in a it's a pretty cool app. I asked him to give me a little a quick little description of it, and this is what he gave me. Crossroads for Destiny is a new mobile app for Android and iOS that just launched earlier this month, June. It's a fireteam finder that uses Bungie.net's groups to connect players and verify everyone's accounts. It's mainly for clans, Twitch streamers playing with subs, or anyone looking to make new friends. It's really new, and we're active on Twitter at Crossroads App. Listening to everyone's feedback and suggestions, the app currently... Currently has time zone support, push notifications, and event scheduling with more to come. So I tested it out, and it's really cool. So any of the groups that you're involved in or are part of in at, on Bungie.net show up in this app once you sign in, and each group can create uh, different events, uh, raids, COE, uh, whatever you want. And then people that are also in that group can join. They can sign up for a slot uh, and, and basically it's just kind of a, kind of a really cool LFG app that works through Bungie's, uh, Bungie's existing kind of community, uh, section, you know, with the groups and the clans and stuff like that. So if that's something you're interested in, go check it out. It's, it's really simple, but very good. It it works really well, uh, so far from what I've used. So check them out. We'll have that also in the show notes. Um, time zone support. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's great. I mean, he's and he's super nice guy. I, I've been chatting with him on and off in our in our listener chat, and he's he's great. So uh, that's all I got. We still have t-shirts going on over at uh, uh, represent. represent. Yeah, I was you know me. I'm almost gonna say Teespring. Represent dot com <laughs> slash uh, ghost stories store dot something calm it'll be in the notes i can't think of it offhand i didn't have it in the notes this week <laughs> but uh but yeah still got them got them happening um and and had still have people asking where to find them so we'll uh spread the spread the love um exotic weapons let's get going where are we going to start well, auto rifles yeah let's start with auto rifles auto rifles awesome then we can address the i mean we're going to have to at some point talk about so in these notes 
I added sort of when and where a lot of these exotics changed because they've evolved since they've first been introduced. Uh, but I think everybody who was a huge fan of auto rifles originally in Destiny, everybody felt the pain of the great auto rifle nerf, which uh, <laughs> is patch 1.1.1, which just killed a lot of the greatest auto rifles in the game that people had relied on. So let's let's pay them some tribute and do them first. Uh, anybody have a particular one that they they want to start with? I think we should we should lead off with Suros, right? Let's do it, Suros regime. So the flavor text is nostalgia as a weapon of war, style as a hallmark of victory. And the grimoire reads, Suros engineers designed the regime using recovered Golden Age schematics. Forced out of production by a crippling shortage of smart matter, the few remaining models are cherished by those guardians fortunate enough to wield them. And then what I've, the hell is smart matter? So smart matter is a real thing. Uh, it exists currently, uh, although it's referred to as MEMS, uh, which is micro-electromechanical systems. Uh, and it combines computers and tiny mechanical devices like sensors and valves and gears and mirrors and actuators uh, embedded in semiconductors. So the short version is that it's a it's microcircuitry on a tiny silicon chip uh, which can be manufactured like it, and then it's added into some mechanical device. Uh, so it's a real thing. Uh, I'm guessing this probably maybe refers more to what Glimmer is, uh, which is programmable matter in Destiny. Uh, I don't know why there'd be a shortage of that, but who knows what happened during, like, because we can't place these, like... We don't know when Saros was originally developed in the Golden Age. We don't know what the resources were like in the Golden Age. It's difficult to, to give it a time to place. <clears throat> so, But at some point in the Golden Age, there was a crippling shortage of smart matter. It was during the, during the Golden Age there was a shortage? Well, it says that the regime was recovered from Golden Age schematics. Wouldn't that kind of mean it was recovered after the Golden Age? Yes. Possibly, yeah. But the gun so, originally is a Golden Age design. Oh, so it was forced when it was forced out of production in the golden age. In the golden age, it was because of a shortage. Of, oh, I got it. Okay, cool. Or I, I don't know. Maybe the maybe there was a crippling shortage of smart matter in our guardian age that well, meant. Well, that. what I yeah, what I first kind of thought is maybe during the collapse. You know, do we know if like uh, much of the like if, if electronics were possibly damaged or, or became. Um, uh, you know, not useful or unable to be used during that time. Maybe the smart matter was affected somehow by the collapse that it wasn't able to be, I don't know if it was something that was manufactured or not, but, but, you know, if the collapse happened and, and a factory shut down, you know, then all of a sudden, Hey, it's not there anymore. Yeah, that's true. I'd like to think that if the collapse came and everybody was armed with Soros instead of, <laughs> they'd be making more smart matter. <laughs> That'd be the one thing that stayed open. Instead of Rasputin's fusion rifles that we may have fared a better <laughs> chance. <laughs> Yeah, true. So, what what's this gun do? I, I mean, everyone kind of knows, but let's yeah. talk about that so a little. Let's talk bit. about the two the two big perks. So, the the main perk uh, is the Soros Regime perk, which is the bottom half of each magazine deals bonus damage and has a chance to return health when dealing damage. So, the first part of that is just glass half full, which is a perk that other guns have. But the chance to return health when dealing damage 
uh, that perk is what made this gun a monster in year one. Uh, yeah, it did. It was just with the original before the great auto rifle nerf, like the kind of damage that Soros could do, combined with the fact that you got your health back, like on on kills, is crazy. Uh, or on dealing damage. Uh, so in year one, it also had this other perk, focus fire, uh, which was when it was zoomed the weapon fired slower but did additional damage and that actually led to people discovering that the focus fire perk hurt Soros uh, that the boost in damage did not make up for the <laughs> the, the lower speed in shooting uh, and that discovered the awesome sort of what's sometimes considered the hidden perk of Soros which is that if you just pull the trigger like a scout rifle <laughs> while zooming in you can fire faster than you would if you just held the trigger down <laughs> so all those all those things combined made made this gonna a monster uh and then in year two they added a counter to focused fire which was spinning up which is the longer the weapon is fired the faster it fires so you can now you can swap between the two but originally in year one you didn't have that option you had to if you're if you were playing competitively you were doing the individual trigger pulls yeah i got a I got a red specter with focused fire, and I, I I thought I liked it a lot. I thought it was I thought focused fire was good, but just because of the way it felt when I shot it, you know, it felt like it had to be doing more damage because these shots they kind of felt harder. But yeah, it was not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I so. think the overall the overall time to kill increased from like one second to one point three seconds with focus fire in year one, and that doesn't seem like a lot. But if you're if you're playing in a highly competitive environment, the difference there is huge. That is, yeah, yeah. Uh, the perk symbol for Soros regime is the Soros logo. Uh, not all exotics have that, uh, but the Soros does. The foundry is obviously Soros, <laughs> uh, and the designer is Adrian. I'm going to maul this last name. I apologize. Uh, Madge Krizak. I don't know. Um, Maj Krasik, maybe? <clears throat> I'm sure it sounds nothing like that. Yeah, I'm sure. He designed quite a few of the exotics. Uh, now, these are these are real-world designers, These are the real-world right? designers. So the in people game, that work yeah. for... Yeah, in-game, the foundry for... is Soros, but the real-life designer is Adrian. Uh, and I think Soros is like a hugely like classic... It's like almost. It's not iconic to Destiny. I feel there's other exotics that are iconic to Destiny, but I think in year one, this was one of the most sought after. This was like the auto rifle. <laughs> like everybody was hunting for Suros. Uh, people held this gun in fantastic esteem. Uh, yeah, I didn't get one till super late too. I didn't either, but one of the guys in my in my clan, my tiny little clan, did, uh, and he made great use of it. He loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, and it's back in year two. It came back in black. You know, Bungie just made a big deal about Gallarhorn coming back in black, but Suros did it first. So pronouncenames.com says it's pronounced Myshak. Oh, Adrian Myshak. There you go. Uh, we got some quotes. Uh, John Goff, uh, his quote here is a sleek beast from a simpler time, a death dealer wrapped in nostalgia. And then 
originally this gun was called Arcus Regime. Uh, this sort of goes back to that history of foundries. We haven't done a foundry episode yet. Uh, but the this gun, yeah, originally had Arcus written down the side of it, and that was the name of the foundry before it was changed later in development to Suros. So you can still find that concept art out there, too. I'm sure if you just look for Arcus Regime, the gun is nearly identical, just with Arcus written down the side. Personally, I like Suros. Well, yeah, Arcus would be weird because of Arc being such a prominent thing. Yes, and Suros does not... feel like it was connected. Yeah, it yeah. was not an elemental primary. Yeah. So that uh, is Suros' regime. I'm sure plenty of people... I mean, a big part of doing the Exotics episode is that we're going to come... We're going to stumble across Exotics here that we have used probably... A lot <laughs> uh, and have a lot of good memories about. I never really wielded Suros, so I don't have a lot of great things personally to talk about with it. But I, I mean, anybody who was around in year one just knows that this gun was <laughs> the it was the hottest, the hottest auto rifle out there. I got killed by it a lot. Yes, yes, I did. Uh, and yeah, it was a monster before the great, and it never really recovered. Like I don't think auto rifles have really recovered. Uh, from that that great one dot one dot one patch, <laughs> there, and now what's the point oh point oh four point oh four adjustment is the new, <laughs> the new the new uh, jab at auto rifles. They're getting there. All right, all right. What's what's next? I don't know. You got the list. Pick one. What Gabble, you Gabble, you got one. Well, let's do hard light next. Ooh, hard, hard light. light. That was my Good first one. exotic. I think that was mine too. So it was not my first exotic. Um, well, do we want to like talk about them first or go over all the stuff first? <laughs> Let's do it. All right, hard light. <clears throat> so the the flavor text is ionized polymer symbolistic attack platform. This system's lethality is dynamically robust across tactical spaces. Uh, and the grimoire entry's not here for it, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll grab that real quick. We can continue. I'll read that in a moment. Uh, and the signature perk is volatile light. <clears throat> so rounds fired from this weapon have no damage fall off, over penetrate targets, and ricochet off hard surfaces. Uh, the big one there, I think, is ricochets off hard surfaces. And like a lot of different exotics, uh, hard light has hidden perks. Uh, so one is that the rounds suffer no damage fall off, which we just mentioned originally. I don't think that was in the original text. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here's the here's the uh, grimoire for it. It says, as the city's understanding of Golden Age methods expands, foundries continue to push the cutting edge of tactical armament. The hard light prototype is a showcase built with the rarest recovered materials and most competual- computationally computationally <laughs> demanding design methods. The design team included several specialist XOs and at least one warlock Thanatonaut. In its current iteration, the hardlight design fires a superheated polymer round with exotic capabilities. Oh ho! Yeah. Hey hey hey. <laughs> um, so, what's that exotic capability? I think that goes to. Uh, did you read the the volatile yeah, light? Yeah, was volatile light. Yeah. So, and then it has a second hidden perk. Uh, which I don't think a lot of people know about, but it's really hilarious, is that... So in the game, there's these doorways that enemies run out of. Uh, 
uh, I whenever anybody mentions it, I immediately think of the one from the Summoning Pit Strike, which is now the start area for the Malak Strike, where mm-hmm. Thrall just run out of that doorway. Mm-hmm. You can fire hard light directly inside those doorways, and the shots will ricochet around in there and kill enemies that are otherwise unhittable. So if you got Thrall running at you and you can't hit him with your regular gun, pull out hard light and just fill that space with lasers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, the foundry here is Amalon, and I think a lot of people's first introduction to the Amalon style guns was the hard light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the perk symbol is the Amalon symbol. And we've actually talked about this gun before. We talked about it in the Bungie lore episode. Right, right. Uh, that hard light uh, is a forerunner technology that allows light to be transformed into a solid state. So it comes up a lot. It's mentioned uh, in a lot of different Halo stuff. The Prometheans from Halo 4 use hard light as ammunition. I mean, I, they're all running around with hard light. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but the US, UNSC in uh, Halo also uses it. Uh, Covenant weapons use it. The binary rifle uses it. The light rifle uses it. The bolt shot uses it. So hard light's really a reference a bit back to the the classic Halo days. So. Yeah, that's cool. I so I got hard light um, before the auto rifle nerf, and I was all excited because oh, Suros is great. I got this other exotic auto rifle. It's probably great too. And then everybody told me I was wrong. I was sad. You didn't like it, <laughs> or just you thought it was bad. It was. I, mean, I didn't think it was terrible, but it just it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't serious. True. I loved hard light, man. I I brought it with me everywhere. It fires so fast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although, and there's always the risk of death, right? Because you can vaporize yourself with the rounds. <laughs> like you can be hit by the ricochets. It's scary, like in in Crucible, when someone comes at you with hard light, and there are just bullets everywhere. That's. Well, it's also like, I think there was, way back, there was even people talking, like, it's potentially, like, (laughs) seizure-inducing. Because the, if you, if you have, if you're firing the gun directly at a target, or, like, straight at, like, say, a cabal shield that's perfectly vertical, or a wall, those shots will ricochet straight back at you, and your screen will just flash really bright as the rounds, like, enter your eyeballs. Uh, visually <laughs> it's really disorienting uh, and then some of the darker areas of the game you know there's just so many flashing lights everywhere that it's uh, but I love it I had so much fun playing with her I have not picked it up in year two but I absolutely loved it in year one I wouldn't take it in the crucible but... and then this is nah. our introduction to Amalon and their their liquid ammunition that's sort of become nah. their signature now Hardlight didn't have a uh, an elemental no damage no. right. Everybody wanted it to be arc because the bullets are that crazy because they're blue, blue right? Yeah, but it did not. It would have been man if if hard light had had arc elemental primary, like nobody would have put it down. This thing would no, have been, it would have been <laughs> especially ridiculous. especially in the year one nightfalls with with arc burn. Like <laughs> this thing would have just torn up everybody. Yeah. But I love the design. I love the design of Hard Light too. I think it's a beautifully designed gun. I don't have the designer here uh, 
it's interesting when I was researching a lot of these guns, some of the designers at Bungie for these guns are really like it's their names are all over these weapons. And for a lot of them, they're not. Uh, I may have not just specifically looked up uh, hard light and got into the notes here, but there's some weapons. I just have no idea who designed them. Uh, and some they're all like a whole line of guns were designed by the same person. So, but man, whoever worked on hard light, I'm sorry, I don't have your name here, but you did a, Amazing job. It's a gorgeous gun. <laughs> Great gun. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, what do we got? We've got... Uh, ooh, let's do the one that we never probably played with much. Let's do Monte Carlo. <laughs> really? What? You didn't play a lot with Monte Carlo? Uh-uh. Oh, man. I love Monte Carlo. I, I, I think I like Monte Carlo more in year two than I liked it in year one. Uh but yeah, let's do it. I Mark. never got to use it in year one. Yeah, it's a PS4 exclusive. No, I guess that's true. Yeah, that's why I never saw it. <laughs> Monte Carlo. The flavor text on it is, there will always be paths to tread and methods to try. Roll with it. And then the uh, the grimoire with this one is, originally, uh, originally designed as a showpiece, the Monte Carlo's sleek demeanor and intricate firing systems system make it more than a fashion statement in the right hands the beauty puts all the risk in the wrong end of its bayonet the signature and perk signature perk is monte carlo method and it uh dealing damage with this weapon reduces your melee cooldown and grants a chance to fully charge your melee ability with each kill it right. seems pretty pretty powerful <laughs> it wasn't always that way though yeah did it did it make it did it get uh, a big change it did so this adrian designed this gun again by the way uh again this gun is gorgeous uh and in the grimoire it says designed as a showpiece but there's no foundry logo on monte carlo so we don't really know who it who designed it as a showpiece we just know that it was uh so, yeah, Monte Carlo got a, a big net buff in the great exotic tuning update that happened right before the Dark Below was released. Uh, it got its stability increased. Uh, it got its range slightly decreased, but the Monte Carlo method perk didn't always have a chance to fully charge your melee. Uh, it used to just be that damage with the weapon reduced your cooldown, uh, but in that that great exotic tuning update, they added the chance to completely recharge your melee ability. Uh, which is awesome. Uh, I think Monte Carlo sees a lot of use now in places like uh, Challenge of the Elders, especially when it's melee bonus kills, uh, because this thing is just... Also, I mean, I love the way this gun sounds. I love the design. It is an obscenely stable auto rifle. It's like a laser beam. My My brother who i played with just got one uh when we were doing challenge of the elders earlier this week he's like oh, i'm gonna take it out and just you know, go to like wherever the moth yards or out to the steps and just and shoot off he's like this gun's like a, a laser beam it, it does not kick at all uh that's one of the great things about monte carlo yeah i got whenever they uh released it on xbox that was the freebie i got uh, yeah day one too. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. All I wanted on Earth was a Hawk Moon. I got Hawk Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it I took got, me a little while got, to get Hawk Moon. So, so I mean, I was I was never big on Monte Carlo, probably because of that though, because all I really wanted was a Hawk Moon, and I was oh. like, I guess I'll shoot this gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking, so of, I, I probably haven't given it a fair shake. Speaking of Hawk Moon, and we'll cover this more when we get to Hawk Moon. There is a theory that Hawk Moon and Monte Carlo once had each other's names. Uh so Monte Carlo uh, is the name of a famous casino in Monaco, right? Uh, and Hawk Moon has perks called Holding Aces and Luck in the Chamber, uh, which both refer are gambling. Luck in the Chamber, not so much, but Holding Aces is a gambling reference. Uh, and then when we talk about the origin of Hawk Moon, there's a, a potential reference to a character who wielded a black blade, which is the same color as the bayonet on Monte Carlo. So, hmm. when we get to Hawkmoon, I don't think this theory is true because there's so much evidence that supports Hawkmoon having Hawkmoon's name. But it's interesting to think about. Uh, no, the Monte Carlo reference in this gun refers to the statistical technique called the Monte Carlo method. Uh, this is a, this is a a pretty hefty yeah. <laughs> calculatory <laughs> technique. Uh, boiled down though uh it's basically uh, brute force right this is a brute force technique where repeating random samples are used to assess the distribution of unknown probabilities uh, it was popularized by john van newman and the first computer eniac uh essentially using randomness to solve problems uh that might be deterministic in principle monte carlo methods can be used to solve any problem having probabilistic interpretation uh throwing whatever at the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, but there's a lot tied. So the question is, where where did the Monte Carlo part come from? Uh, so it was the secret work of von Neumann and Ulam. Uh, it required a code name. A colleague of von Neumann and Ulam's, Nicholas Metro, uh, Metropolis, suggested using the name Monte Carlo, which refers to the Monte Carlo Casino in Monaco, where Ulam's uncle would borrow money from relatives to go gamble. Uh, <laughs> but why was it done in secret, and why did it need a code name? Well, the Monte Carlo methods were central to simulations required for the Manhattan Project. <laughs> though they were severely limited by the tools at the time. So it's essentially the equivalent of finding a solution through bombardment of iterative solutions uh, to a system with multiple variables. So that's that's usually called a brute force technique, which explains the Monte Carlo perk, which is that it will randomly recharge your brute force punch. (laughs) Or or so it's believed to be. Uh, So that all, I mean, that all makes sense once once you tie it back all around together. Uh, and Monte Carlo is one of only three weapons in all of Destiny to feature a bayonet. The others are Red Death and Plan C, both of which we'll talk about. But, man, I, I still I still love this gun. It looks good when you're in the tower and it's on your back. It looks good when you have it drawn. Uh, yeah, you, there's nothing There's nothing else like it, really, right? No, nothing like it. It's got it. a it pretty unique, really cool. yeah, unique the design. The scroll work on it is cool, too. Yeah. This gun's ultra interesting, and I never, maybe I never noticed it. Maybe it happens too fast. Maybe it, I just didn't pay attention to it. But for some reason on Monte Carlo, I can't help but notice that all the shells, when you hold the trigger down, just shells 
go flying out of the right hand <laughs> side of this gun. It's crazy. I was I think I was in Challenge of the Elders and I was just randomly firing it and I was hearing this like ping noise in my right headphone. I'm like, what is, what is that? And it's this thing was just launching shells out the right side and they were dinging off the door frame. <laughs> and I was like, have I never noticed that other guns just spray shells out of them like this? Is it only Monte Carlo? Uh, so hard light obviously doesn't, but yeah, I mean, all guns in the game do it. For some reason, I just happened to notice on Monte Carlo. Awesome. All right, we've got, oh, what, two, three more? I think. Yeah, we should probably wrap um, up uh, year one, right? Sure, let's do it. Well, do we want to do that since it's got such a big story? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. So what's that Necrochasm. 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 Eternity is very close. Can you feel yourself slipping? This gun. Uh, I mean, yeah, this, this one goes into a lot of different places. So the grimoire is... The weapons of sorrow were believed to be nothing more than a myth. But even the darkest myths are born of some truths, and the whispers of the necrochasm have long filled the light with dread. It is said the necrochasm was born in the twilight after Crota's sword first cracked the moon, that a lost guardian's weapon was altered by the hive in an attempt to fuse their own dark understanding with humanity's mastery of war. The result was a weapon that would feed on its owner's aggression, reaching further when angry eyes drew focus, its hunger rising as it tore through bone and flesh. Any guardian who comes across the weapon must ask some very simple questions with endlessly complicated answers. Is your light bright enough to stand even briefly in the full gaze of the Hive's Abyss? Can it handle what has died and been reborn in those shadows? That is a packed grimoire. <laughs> it has to be with what you have to do to get this thing and with how it's tied into uh, into the Hive. Yes. You know. so this I still is- don't have one. I still do not have one oh. either. What? <laughs> I have a crux, but I've never... Oh, well, oh. then you're just lazy. I've I, I have the opposite. I have the, the ally. Process. I've just never gone to, to... I mean, after you've killed Crota 40 times, you just stop caring. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's dig into this. This mentions... This is a great one to have here because we're going to talk more about these weapons of sorrow. Uh this is the first time, really, the weapons of sorrow were mentioned, I think, in the grimoire. I think it's the only place they're directly mentioned. Uh, but it led to a lot of theories about other guns in the game that we're going to talk about. But, yeah, the weapons of sorrow. Uh, but then it says, like, whispers of necrochasm have long filled the light with dread. Really? Because we never heard about it. And so, <laughs> we've heard. Our ghost probably knows all Our, about them sure. and has recordings of them, like, but it plays at night when we're sleeping, if we sleep. <laughs> Detailed schematics. It's like a rec- <laughs> recording of the original Guardian who lost it on the moon. So so something else that, that I think is, is kind of cool um, that ties into weapons of sorrow in general is this whole theme of uh, even the darkest myths are born of some truths. You know, that, that just leads me to believe that some of the stuff we might hear about the necrochasm may not be true, but there is some stuff that might be. So it's it's kind of that whole, you know, yeah, here's here's the good story, but the real story is a little different. Yeah. And there's some stuff here so that this next line, that a lost guardian's weapon was altered by the hive in an attempt to fuse their own dark understanding with humanity's mastery of war. 
I find the line humanity's mastery of war, especially in comparison to the high. Yeah. How have we done anything that even compares to the high? Yeah. So, I mean, this is interesting, right? Because Necrochasm was created, obviously, before the Book of Sorrows were written uh, in our world, not in the in-game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Books of Sorrow outline the Hive's complete and utter mastery of war. Uh, why are they taking our weapons? Uh, yeah, I mean, when so when the Necrochasm was, was born... Um, after Crota's sword first cracked the moon, weren't they pretty much still kicking our asses? Yeah. I mean, sure. that's... <laughs> so, I mean, hello. Yeah, so the question is, like, Crota's up there swinging his sword around, like, killing hundreds of guardians in a single go. Like, why... So some dude dropped his gun, and the Hive are like, look at this amazing Whoa. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Must have. Look at this amazing thing that damaged all of none of us here. <laughs> it hurt us all for one damage. From an Crota or- trips and drops his sword, and the moon almost splits in half. <laughs> From an already defeated race, uh, already defeated civilization, humanity. So, Right. But this also plays to, you know, a lot of the hive and they're hunting for Rasputin, you know, if there's a chance that this gun was dropped by a guardian, because we don't know what the original weapon was, you know, it could have been something light infused and the hive recognized that for what it was. And we're like, Oh, maybe this is a traveler assisted created weapon. We want to know more oh, about yeah. it. So there's that potential that the hive wanted to know more about where we were getting some of these armaments from, but humanity's mastery of war in comparison to the hive, not even close. Uh, and then there's other things so there's other bits of this grimoire entry allude to some things we're really going to pick up a lot with these exotics is that a lot of times and this may go back to Destiny's sort of fantasy roots a bit is that a lot of these guns seem to have personalities uh, that these guns, it's not so much picking up a gun and firing, especially exotics. It's not so much picking up a gun and firing it. It's picking up a gun and it having its own presence. And us being more like a wielder of that presence than just pulling the trigger over and over again. Uh, we're gonna Right, come... it's like the gun defines the person and not the other way around. Yeah, and we're going to come across that a lot uh, as we go through these weapons. And that's very much like a a fantasy thing with like living swords and things like that uh, who are of their own volition and are wielded by people who can sort of like tame their power rather than just you know use them as a tool Uh, but this grimoire entry also gives us the archetype for the weapons of sorrow which is the hives attempt to fuse their dark understanding onto our weapons so that seems to provide a template for other guns we'll talk about later uh, and what really makes a weapon of sorrow. So what's uh, what's its signature perk? The signature perk, Curse Bringer. Precision kills with this weapon trigger a cursed thrall explosion. It's so much fun. You guys got to get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just cool. Everything just explodes. It's awesome. Now we have this word curse that I meant. String of curses, the first curse. The word curse comes up a lot in exotics. But it wasn't that wasn't always the perk. Uh, well, the perk wasn't always like that. Uh, in the great exotic rebalance of Destiny 2.0, Necrochasm got a huge buff. 
So this exotic rebalance happened right before the Taken King in year two technically started. Uh, it had its base stability increased, it had its magazine size increased. Uh, Cursebringer was moved from a chance to trigger a curse thrall explosion to will always trigger a curse thrall explosion. And the explosions had its radius increased and its damage increased. Uh, which is unfortunate because there's only like a couple weeks between Destiny 2.0. Uh, and the Taken King drop uh, that people got a chance to play with this obscenely hilarious <laughs> gun that turns everything into a bomb. <laughs> well, it was so it was so hard to get the gun, and when you did get it before the uh, rebalance, it was awful. I mean, it was yeah. it was one of those things you just said, man, all that all I don't want to say all that work. You were still you know it was still fun to to get, but oh, uh, it was just. It'd be like if you if you did all the work to get Thorn, and it just didn't do anything. It just didn't kill <laughs> didn't anything, anything yeah. you know. And and uh, and so yeah, it was disappointing for a lot of people. And it was I remember there was a a big, you know, a, a, a lot of people commenting about how terrible it was back back in the day. And this is still, and again, like remembering back in the day, it's like we weren't 335 light. Like we couldn't drop Crota in four sword swings. You know, <laughs> that raid was still pretty glitchy. It, it kind of is now too. Uh, so getting that crux of Crota, which we'll talk about in a second, was like a an undertaking. Like you couldn't easily solo Crota. You had to get people to run this raid with you and deal with all, you know, what this <laughs> raid brought. Yeah. Uh, and you had to do it on hard mode. Because the crux didn't drop on normal, so getting I mean, it required you know rounding up five more people and saying, "Hey, can we just run this over and over and over again to like get this thing to get this gun?" And the gun's not all that great. And not and not just that though. I mean, I got lucky. I got the husk of the pit on like my my third little farming expedition on uh, what was it, uh, the sword of Crota yeah. or whatever it was, and uh, some people farm that thing forever and still don't have it yeah i got my well they they do now they 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 upped it quite a bit but yeah it took me 75 kills (laughs) of a blade of crota to get a husk (laughs) there my point there you go there's my point right there which i just equipped in game and because i've never leveled it up (laughs) so i'm now running around with it and it's 80 light i used i just used it i just uh shot curse thrall over and over and over again with it on the uh Got the mission where you go down and fight the the awakening, where you fight yeah, Carter Crystal. Yeah. The yeah. room, there's a room there where Curse Thrall will infinitely walk into the room. So I just stood there and Defender oh. Titan with my bubble and shot them until I. Anyway, let's talk about why we had to do that. <laughs> uh, so no other gun in the game has an evolution path like Necrochasm does. Uh, it requires obtaining a common auto rifle, Husk of the Pit, which we just talked about from a Blade of Crota. Uh, and, you know, at this time, the Blades of Crota were running around in public event areas. Uh, you'd see the notification that, like, the Blades of Crota are slicing through to our world or some stuff like that. Uh, so similar to when the wolves attacked or similar to, uh, what is it now, the Taken appearing, like, a the take. uh, the hive would show up, and these these dudes would run around with the sword, and you could kill them and take their sword, but they had a very low chance to drop a husk of the pit. <clears throat> uh, and the husk of the pit 
reads as desiccated and nigh inoperable, this hive artifact still manages to send shivers up your spine when it's fired. Uh, and I made a note here that desiccated is misspelled on the card. I pulled that from Ishtar, which pulls from the API, so it could be actually misspelled. I didn't check the actual grimoire on Bungie.net, but desiccated um, is misspelled. I'm looking. I'm looking at the gun right now. D e s s i c a t e d. Yeah, it should be spelled D e s i c c a t e d. So, fix the husk of the pit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Top priority, please. Yeah. <laughs> please. Uh, and the word desiccated means just to remove the moisture for something in order to preserve it. Which now, so, something else? Uh, I I think we. I don't know if you noted it or not, but. Um, some of the other year one exotics that, that you had to, to kind of grind for, um, you would get exotic bounties for, and this wasn't part of an exotic bounty, right? It Correct. was just, yeah, it was just something you kind of had to, I don't want to say you had to know about, but, but you did to some degree, right? There wasn't really a guiding, uh, path for it in game. No, was there, there was not like you'd get the husk of the pit and be like, what is this garbage? Oh yeah, I think I actually dismantled it when I first got it. I hate you. And then someone said, "Hey, what about this thing?" Oh crap! Well, what's funny is that so the quest progression here must have been somebody's gonna get this and then randomly kill a ton of hive with it. Unlikely. Uh, but that's how you did it. Uh, you had to get the husk of the pit, then you had to go shoot a whole ton of hive. I think it was two hundred. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. And and the gun would then, uh, you could upgrade it to uh, Adolin Ally. Right, you had to buy like the embalming orb from Eris. From Eris, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But you had to be a certain rank with her, right? Yeah, to be a rank three. Before you could get it, yeah. So, so the, that, I think that was a holdup for a lot of people too, was, was they would have the husk of the pit and be ready, but then they had to level up Eris, which wasn't an easy task because she had... The was it daily or yeah it was it was daily missions right yeah and it was it was slow slow upgrading her yeah she had her own her own bounties but she had sweet shaders so you did it anyway and you liked it but she had ridiculous bounties she yeah. wanted that sunset like, was like kill kill a hive wizard with a sniper rifle while invisible which I always <laughs> oh yeah that's right they were class specific yeah I forgot and there was about one that. that was kill wizards with with. Justice Knee, Titan's shoulder charge in the air. Mm. Like, there were some weird bounties that she had. Uh, they were same. kind of fun. I was just disappointed that they only had one uh, specific class bounty per day. You yes. know, it was like, yeah. I'd, I'd drop in and it's like, oh, Warlocks today, dang it. You know, because I was running, I had it on my Hunter, I was working on it on my Hunter. And then the next day it would be Titan, and then Warlock again. And I'm like, yep. oh, come on. <laughs> I'd get one hunter bounty per week or something stupid. So the idol and ally, sorry, ally. Uh, that flavor text is: We thought it was inanimate, but it has grown, changed. Ghost refuses to analyze it further, but I secretly believe it has become my friend. Uh, <laughs> we don't know who's saying this on this card. As we explore more exotics, we'll find that it seems that the gunsmith has a lot to do with these. Uh, potentially this could also be Eris talking because uh, that's where you get the embalming, embalming orb from. So, And that flavor text reads, Stolen from a hive chamber, uh, what this tiny orb represents is unknowable and terrifying. Used to upgrade weapons of hive origin. 
This is the only gun you use it on. <laughs> now you didn't Weapon. need one for the uh, what was the the fusion rifle that she gave you? The murmur. Oh, um, oh, you murmur, didn't need yeah. one for that, right? No. For anything. I thought that had like a, a end tier upgrade that you had to do something for. Had to get to a certain level. I don't remember. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Does it? I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, so then you took the Eidolon ally, and then that needed to be upgraded into Necrochasm, but you could only do that with a Crux of Crota, which was rewarded from Crota's end on hard mode with an obscenely low drop rate. Uh, the Crux of Crota flavor text reads, Their God is our now our power. So does the Eidolon ally upgrade through normal means, or do you have to kill Hive with it too? I'm not sure. It's not exotic, so I didn't check it out. <laughs> Only the Necrochasm is exotic. Uh, but this presented, this was a, this upgrade process was one of the funniest bugs in the game, though, was that if you had an exotic weapon already equipped uh, in your special or heavy slot, and then you upgrade idle and ally to Necrochasm, it would de-equip your primary weapon, and you could just run around the game with no weapon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and it was one of the coolest ways to just sort of explore the game with no gun was to upgrade this, because it was the, the only way you could force two exotics at the same time, and the game just sort of freaked out about it. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's Necrochasm, and it had a brief window. Again, that brief window between patch 2.0 uh, and the Taken King, this thing, people were just going crazy with it. It was hilarious. Crucible videos popping up all over the place. With people getting like double, triple, and quadruple kills because <laughs> one person gets shot and explodes like a curse thrall and takes out all their friends with it. Uh, yeah, for a long time, uh, other than another gun we'll talk about, this was the rarest exotic in the game just by virtue of the fact that nobody actually knew how to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then this weapon was referenced in the credits of the Treehouse of Horror 14. That's so awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't know how the guys at Bungie felt about that, but I feel like <laughs> if I made something and it got referenced in a Simpsons episode, I would be the happiest guy ever. Success. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. And Necrochasm Dia yeah, did not get a year two version. So Suros got year two, Hardlight got year two, uh... Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo got year two. Necrochasm so far has not got a year two version. So, languishing. Languishing back in the hive abyss that it came from. <laughs> and that does it for our year one? Year one auto rifles. Exotic auto rifles, yeah. So we've got how many? I think just two. Just two year two ones. Two year two ones. And let's do the the first fun one. The first it was the first year two exotic I got besides the freebie. Well, that wasn't even year two, really. No, it was uh, year one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the now is it Zalo? Is that how we're gonna pronounce that? I say Zalo, but Zalo, Zalo as well. But Zalo. Okay. You could just knock the Z off and say Halo. The supercell. <laughs> the supercell. Everybody just calls it the supercell. <laughs> An upcycled torrent of righteous thunder. And uh, that was that's the flavor text, and the grimoire reads. When you're out beyond the walls, sometimes you have to take what you can find and make it work. Though its original makers and their no doubt desperate straits are lost to history, the Zalo Supercell remains 
a striking example of what a guardian guardian can do with outdated tech, a deep command of fund, fundamental light, and a spark of inspiration. And uh, so this gun, this was our. This one has has a an elemental damage, and this is the only year two primary, right? Yes. With elemental damage, exotic. Yes. Let's let, let us tell you stories, Year Two Guardians, <laughs> <laughs> of this wonderful thing called the Elemental Primary, <laughs> when a striking number of guns that could be equipped in your primary slot had elemental damage, and how fun it made the game. Uh, in the in the 2.0 update, and then later in the Taken King, they decided to phase out elemental primaries, uh, but Zalo is a a callback to that. And they've, and they've said, right, that if, if they want elemental damage on a primary going forward, it will always be on an exotic. No yes. more legendaries. Yeah. Which is sad because Vision of Confluence <laughs> and Fatebringer. Oh, well, it was, every, it was every raid weapon, right? Yeah. It had every elemental damage, yep. yeah. And it made Nightfall so much fun. Oh, man. Still does. You can, if you've got your, uh, your, oh, what was our damn... Uh, fusion, uh, the the oh, fault of glass, solar, vision of confluence. Yes, vision of confluence. Today, still, yeah. when there's when there's uh, solar burn, it's yeah. still good. Well, if you yeah, get especially especially if small arms is on yeah. too, if you get the combo, oh, yeah. then it's still you can still make it work. And it's, and it's great to go back to. And it's amazing that Fatebringer is still a monster. Oh man. So these guardians were out beyond the wall when they had to kind of, of hodgepodge this thing together to use where, what wall? We don't know which wall. Just says the wall. <laughs> the wall. The city wall, okay. the Cosmodrome wall, the Great Wall of China, we don't know. A bunch of dudes in black cloaks live there. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. But this is a cool little story. Like this is, uh, you know, we'll talk about the design of this gun, but. Yeah, this gun was, you know, you're you're out in the wilds. You're, I don't know why you would have lost your primary weapon, <laughs> but some some arc class, you know, be it a blade dancer or a striker or a stormcaller, some hive jerk took it because it was awesome, human, military engineering and wanted to to tinker with it. I don't so. even want to imagine if the hive got their hands on an AK series <laughs> rifle. What that would be like. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, we get this uh, outdated tech, deep command of fundamental light, and a spark of inspiration. Uh, which is interesting because we don't get to make weapons in the field. We don't, like, and we don't know yet, like, maybe this is leading up to something much different. Uh, you know, I first imagine, oh man, I still have my Kvostov. Like, why can't I pound some fundamental light into that? I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> but we also, look, uh, the Kvostov is getting potentially updated for Rise of Iron, so maybe that's a thing that happens. And we also know that the Gallahorn quest is going to be collecting things, possibly, to, to build re- our own. Yeah. So, so maybe maybe this is... that. What a great in-game mechanic that would be for a lot of those, a lot of weapons. Yeah. That'd be crazy. To be able to upgrade them or, or find stuff and do things with it. So, be awesome. Alright, uh, to it. It's, I want my exotic Kavost of... <laughs> And its primary or its 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 uh, signature perk is well, the- Zalo Supercell. Yep. <laughs> Arc projectiles have a chance to chain lightning 
when enemies are close together. And chain it does, man. That is it's so <laughs> such a cool oh so man. fun. This is a crowd control weapon. This thing is awesome for sure. It's great, and and it's it's I get killed by it kind of fairly often in Crucible. Really? Yeah. It's uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just that bad that I get killed by everything but <laughs> but yeah that thing that thing hurts yeah i love and then, when uh, this when it's arc burn oh man this gun just cleans uh, cleans house it's awesome yeah <laughs> uh, and now then, is this another signature perk this for is so year oh. two exotics often have two signature perks uh, the second perk here is called bolts from the blue double kills with this weapon charge a small amount of super energy and return ammo to the magazine so this is a great example of two perks working well together where, you know, the first the first hit chains lightning to the second, and then if it kills them both, uh, it returns that ammo to your mag and it charges your super up. So when it's arc burn, this gun really is like a super generating machine and it never runs out. Of, you never have to reload it. I love it. You run into a room of like Thrall or even, even like heavier Cabal or especially Taken because they're like, paper people uh and just unload with this thing and it's like oh i just killed 30 enemies and i'm down seven bullets <laughs> <laughs> and we uh we know the designer for this one is uh ryan ryan demita yep and we're gonna see that name a lot yeah i, I noticed that one thumbing through the notes it's he's quite the the gunsmith. Yes. And there's no foundry here because this is a gun that was made in the field by a guardian. Uh, although the original design, so this weapon uh, is a bullpup version of an AK series rifle similar uh, to a Kobarov TKB 408. The description implies it was built from salvaged parts, so it's good chance that... And the AK series... Uh, is a Russian, they're Russian weapons, so it makes sense that this would be, I'm guessing it's the Cosmodrome wall because this is a Russian weapon that was found out in the field. Uh, Bullpup refers to the circular, I believe the circular mag that it uses rather than a standard uh, standard magazine. Uh, Zalo is a Russian designation uh, and it could possibly come from the 2S14 Zalo S, which is strange because that is a tank. <laughs> uh, is a tank hunter vehicle and that is armed with a 2A6285 millimeter machine gun. So, but if you want to keep digging deeper into it, uh, the Z that Zalo S prototype tank hunter vehicle uh, was a prototype of the BTR class of. Uh, personal armored vehicles, which some people have suspected is relates to the BTRD 345, which is a heavy machine gun from year one, uh, which was beloved. That gun was a beast. Uh, it's a that designation yes. is for an anti-tank rifle, <laughs> which makes so, sense. So, just uh, to kind of clarify, um, so a, a bullpup actually is. A weapon that has its action located behind the trigger. Oh. So normally, normally when you fire a gun, the the rounds that are ejected or where the where the magazine's inserted and actually yep. you know ignites the round is in front of the trigger group. So where you hold the where you squeeze the trigger, and this one is back in the stock more oh. so. So back in the part that's by your shoulder. Nice. <clears throat> there you go. Neat. 
I knew that sounded. I, I knew I knew it, but I had to. I wanted to make sure I <laughs> make sure I spoke correctly before I, I just spouted it off. But so. the original name when this gun originally hit the database, it was not called Zalo Supercell. It was called Ukonvasara, uh, which is a mythological Finnish weapon similar to Thor's hammer. Uh, it is the hammer of Uko. Or Uko. Can you say that again? <laughs> Ukonvasara. No, say it like you said it before. It was kind of sexy. How did I say it before? Oh, yeah. You said Ukonvasada. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I said it with a, with a Spanish flair? I guess. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> you said was nice. I liked it. All right. <laughs> uh, and that Uko created lightning with the Ukonvasada. So had oh, a, nice. its name okay. made sense uh, yeah. in the original database entry, and then they updated it, and now it's a supercell. Halo. Zay Halo. Zahalo. Z Z Halo Supercell. Hey, it's Z Halo Supercell. <laughs> now it's Italian? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a Z Halo Supercell. <laughs> nice. Sure, why not? <laughs> See Mario run around with one of those things. I always wondered how some of these weapons, what their names get translated to uh, when the game's localized. So, I mean, Zalo, I think, is probably just the same. It's probably pronounced completely differently in Russian. Uh, but we're gonna, we're, we'll come across some other guns with interesting names. So at least one, one year two auto rifle left. The saddest auto rifle in the game. I don't have this one because I this didn't is, ever yeah, run a Titan a, hard enough. better person because of it. This is one of the, <laughs> one of the two primaries I don't have. Yeah, this is... We'll read through this, uh, and we'll we're at the skip part of the quest thing because I've outlined the quest for this gun in a lot of detail. Uh, for some, the other two weapons are required the same way, so we'll just get to that when we come to it. But this gun has some huge lore behind it as it connects to our history. Uh, but sadly, it is probably it's if this gun was an emoji, it would just be an unhappy face. Uh, this is the Fabian <laughs> strategy. <laughs> Wait for the enemy, enemy to make a mistake, die, stand by for ghost resurrection, repeat as necessary. And we'll get to that. So pretty much if you have this gun, don't expect to live long? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Unfortunately, the necessary part is the part that doesn't make sense because you could just equip a better gun and then the repeat <laughs> wouldn't be necessary. Uh, so this grimoire entry... Uh, is a conversation between two people, between the Cryptarch and the gunsmith, Banshee44. So, this... I didn't say who says what here, but most of these cards just go back and forth, each one. Uh, when you guys want to take one roll and I'll take the other? Sure, I'll take one. Okay. I'll take the, uh, I'll take the Cryptarch. <clears throat> okay. So... Uh, so, I start with, Good evening, Banshee44. Howdy. Uh, doing well, thank you. Actually, I had a bit of difficulty today. Uh... <laughs> the problem with a historical engram is, even if I can figure out when the engram was encoded, it still doesn't tell me what the con- when the contents were written, or even the events described when the writer took place. Uh-huh. This particular engram is heavily degraded, encoded, mid-golden age, allegedly written by someone named Plutarch, a historian who in turn is writing about someone named Fabius Maximus. But who were they? When did they live? What kind of warfare is this Fabian strategy? The what now strategy? Fabian strategy. 
It apparently involves attrition tactics and avoiding direct conflict until an enemy makes a mistake. Huh. Huh, indeed. <laughs> but with ghosts. Oh, oh, this was long before ghosts, I think. Banshee, where are you going? <laughs> I love that. I love Banshee. He's so great. Yeah. It's like, there's some, we're going to come across a lot of Banshee uh, as we explore these weapons, and they're all so good. Uh, so this Grimoire entry talks about something that we've talked about before. We talked about it specifically in the Bungie lore episode about the gatekeepers of history and also what does history mean in a civilization where history has been essentially wiped off the record. Uh, so that's a, a big thing we brought up uh, in this particular case. You know, uh, the cryptarch is looking over this engram, and he understands the contents, but he has no way to place anything on a timeline, which is uniquely similar to my situation with managing the destiny timeline. Uh, you just don't know. There's no way to tell. So, as he says, this particular engram is heavily degraded, encoded mid-golden age. So he knows it was mid-golden age, allegedly, allegedly written by someone named Plutarch. Well... Plutarch was alive in A.D. 46, uh, not in the mid-Golden Age. Uh, historian who's in turn writing about someone named Fabius Maximus. Fabius Maximus was alive in 280 B.C. <laughs> so uh, this is, here we have the Cryptarch studying the works of a historian from approximately 3,000 years ago who is in turn writing about somebody who lived you know, 280 years or three, 320 years before even he did. Uh, so, but the cryptarch has no way of knowing that because history has been destroyed. So it's, as far as he knows, these are all golden age people. Uh, and what kind of warfare was this Fabian strategy applied? So the history of war is even missing. Uh, but let's talk about that. Uh, what kind of warfare was this Fabian strategy applied? Uh, the Second Punic War from 218 to 202 BC, uh, when Quintus Fabius Maximus Veroscus Cunticator <laughs> uh, was tasked with securing southern Italy and defeating Hannibal. Uh, and that's where this Fabian strategy, the name of this grimoire card actually comes, uh, the name of this weapon comes from. The Fabian strategy was a strategy developed by this guy, Quintus Fabius Maximus. Uh, there's a lot here. This is like a, a history lesson here. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, Ban, uh, not Banshee, the Cryptarch sums it up. It's, it's attrition tactics uh, and avoiding direct conflict and waiting for the enemy to make a mistake. Uh, as it refers to Quintus Fabius Maximus, this was really about exploiting Hannibal's weaknesses over the course of the uh, the Second Punic War, I mean Hannibal was an absolutely brilliant general. Uh, he inflicted devastating losses on the Romans, even though he had a statistically numerically inferior army. Uh, but he won the Battle of Trebia and the Battle of Lake Trasimene, uh, and like the 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 Romans didn't know what to do with him. This guy was just like a beast. Riding in on his elephants. I think a lot of people know that story of Hannibal crossing the Alps during winter on yeah. his elephants and attacking the Romans. 
so Fabian came up with a strategy where he would just sort of avoid Hannibal. Uh, he knew Hannibal's weaknesses, uh, you know, the, the lack of housing for his army. Uh, Hannibal had to keep moving uh, and other, there's three key weaknesses. I'm not going to go into all of it here. If I mean, please, please feel free to look up the Second Punic War uh, and Fabius Maximus uh, or Hannibal to these strategies. But that's where this Fabian strategy comes from. And then it's reapplied sort of to the Guardians as, oh, well, you know, I can just keep dying and over and over again. I'll wait for you to, whatever, run out of bullets. <laughs> you know, this, I think this Fabian strategy is what frustrates the Cabal so much is that, they keep killing us, and we keep coming back, and eventually they will run out of people because they cannot keep coming back. <laughs> so, then the quest for this uh, is back in the saddle, uh, which is a really not a long quest, but there's a lot of detail to it. But we'll cover that when we cover the two other exotics that also share the back in the saddle quest. Uh, the foundry is Hake, and or is that hate hate? I don't know how to pronounce that word. Hake. I've always pronounced it hake. I don't know. I think the um uh, the other pronunciation is is haka. Oh, haka. But I don't know which one is actually more correct. All right. Uh, and it's it's signature from for their weapon style. It's got that really like crunchy bullet sound. Uh, I use a. Uh, uh, Hake auto rifle on my Titan a lot, and I love the way it sounds. And I love this when I first got this gun's got a beautiful design, like it looks really cool. So I was expecting a lot from it, but it never really delivered. So <clears throat> this weapon has undergone extensive tweaking since its debut. Uh, and in one of it got a big rebalance, uh, and these are the words directly from the uh from Bungie themselves. So, oh, did I not put, oh, the perk, the exotic perk, front lines. This weapon has increased handling, stability, and rate of fire when enemies are close, which sounds awesome. But it's it not. Does. does it, though? <laughs> it's, yeah, if you had, you so the archetype switches from a medium rate of fire, medium impact auto rifle to a high rate of fire auto rifle. The big problem but. was it doesn't keep the impact. It, ch yeah. it switches the archetype without preserving uh, the damage of the gun. So, And that's tough. Uh, so as, as they put it, currently the effect of the front lines is subtle and requires close attention to notice. <laughs> yeah, because I have time to subtly notice perks when I'm in the middle of like the Court of Oryx surrounded by enemies. Uh, <laughs> The new approach to front lines focuses more on a tangible experience. We increase the base rate of fire stat to push the weapon to the fastest firing auto rifle archetype, which is like Doctrine of Passing, enabling the weapon to do more damage in less time as long as you don't miss. <clears throat> the visceral reply of the weapon as it cranks through the magazine feeds it much, <clears throat> feels much more appropriate for a Titan on the front lines, uh, and the already ample stability boost helps the rounds stay tight and focused. The new approach exposed a few bugs with the magazine inconsistency, so we retrofitted the stat upgrade with perks for the new options. Worth noting, this is a Titan-exclusive weapon. Uh, and they got the short end of the stick. Anyway, yeah, sorry, Titans. <laughs> uh, 
So the front lines perk on Fabian's strategy no longer buffs rate of fire as a bonus modifier. Front lines now increases the base rate of fire stat to its highest speed. Damage per bullet is offset to match the higher rate of fire archetype. That's the thing people don't like. Uh, the extended mag perk was removed and replaced with flared magwell, and small bore was removed and replaced with rifled barrel. Uh, because apparently those perks cause bugs with one another. Uh, an increased reload and stability to help offset the removed stat upgrades. Uh, and then I have a note here. Sadly, despite these changes, the gun remains as an unappealing choice for most players. Uh, with front lines active, it's basically a doctrine of passing with half the ammo. <laughs> Yeah. So this one needs to go back to the drawing board, unfortunately. Looks cool, sounds cool, but not a compelling auto rifle. And then after the auto rifle nerf and just this poor, this poor gun can't catch a break. So, sorry, Titans. <laughs> because when we get to Hunters and Warlocks, we're going to discuss unbelievably good weapons. <laughs> <laughs> Especially warlocks. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to pulse rifles next, but before we do, we're going to bring Dragon back into the show. Hi, guys. What have you been up to? Oh, hey. Oh, uh, not too much. Uh, I haven't really played a whole lot of Destiny lately. You're fired. Uh, unfortunately. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, and I played some trials the other night, just had some fun. Wasn't really serious wasn't trying to go flawless or anything just having fun had some good times for everyone out there sunsingers are not dead yes they're weaker than they were but i was using firebolts sunsinger just as well as i'd been doing it three weeks ago so they just you just got to be more precise with your grenades that's all and there's a bug currently right with the there is yeah yeah, yeah and exactly like so it's Right now, it's the tick for the burn damage is only four, and that's for incendiaries and you know, all fire damage, all burns. Yeah, I was noticing so that in Prison of Elders. Yeah, they've confirmed that that was a bug, not an intentional uh, change. So once that comes up, once a tick is back up to seven, firebolts will be even better than they are right now. Cool. <clears throat> Damn warlocks. <laughs> <laughs> some of those, and, some of the changes are crazy. I mean, we didn't talk about mm -hmm. it at the beginning of the show, but. Nova yeah, bomb feels so good right now. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. great. Well, and I can't even I can't wait to use Viking Funeral in uh, PVE. That bonus that damage buff for every time you yeah, tag someone. It's awesome. That's going to that's going to be awesome for bosses. It is crazy melty. Yeah, I did a mm -hmm. challenge of the Elders run a couple nights ago to and with the cuz catapults on, so both mm -hmm. warlocks were running Voidwalker with nothing manacles. <laughs> we basically never so stopped fun. throwing grenades. Yeah. Uh, so basically, it was like infinite grenades until there was everything was dead, and then just lance Nova bombs at the <laughs> boss until it summoned the next round, and then infinite grenades. It was awesome. Yeah, I started a a prison or a challenge round while I was waiting for my trials team, and they joined me after round one. Like, and I started right when they were, they were like, oh, I'm going to go to the reef and get our tickets ready. And I was like, all right, I'll start this while I'm waiting. And they join up mid-first round, and they were like 8,000 points. They're like, whoa, how did you get so many points already? It's like, I'm a void walker. I've just been throwing grenades since you guys have been in the reef. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of warlocks, we got a pretty hefty warlock story here tied up in pulse rifles. Do I do that first or last? 
Let's jump into it. All right, we'll we'll jump right into bad juju. Uh, this is my second exotic in the game. This <laughs> this story and this gun really endeared me to Toland. And for anybody who's a year two only guardian, we're going to go into one of the exotic quests that you used to have to do to get some of these exotics. So miss those. Yeah, they were they were fun until you get the same one over and over and over again. <clears throat> yeah. Bad Juju. If you believe your weapon wants to murder all of existence, then so it will. Uh, Toll in the Shattered. Grimoire entry simply reads, There must be a structured, mechanical explanation for this weapon's hunger for combat. There must be, but none has been found. Uh, I just made a note here. This is one of my most favorite quotes from Toland in the whole game. <laughs> so the signature perk... Uh, ooh, I didn't put the word. Signature perk is String of Curses. After each kill, this weapon will reload instantly and increase damage for a short time. Kills will also help charge your super. Uh, I put a note here that all three of these things cause death to become an afterthought, which is the first curse, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> uh, and kills will help charge your super was not always part of String of Curses. It was added on with the great exotic tuning update that we talked about earlier that happened right before the Dark Below was released. Mm -hmm. uh, Bad Juju has a hidden perk, like a lot of exotics do, which is full auto. Uh, I think a lot of people don't remember that this gun has full auto because they're not used to it on pulse rifles. But between full auto and String of Curses, uh, this gun never needs to get reloaded. It's crazy. Uh, a big thing about that uh, reload when it says reloads instantly it's not talking about taking ammo out of your reserves uh, string of curses instantly refills your magazine at no cost to your reserve ammo mm -hmm. uh, it's very nice it made this gun amazing uh, when you first sort of encounter that happening and you're like wait a minute I got all my bullets back and it didn't cost me anything <laughs> Uh, and it can trigger on partial bursts uh, and give you weird numbers back that you wouldn't normally see but yeah it makes this gun really awesome uh, as I wrote here Toland is a genius yeah that weapon uh, paired with uh, the Obsidian Mind helmet yes. for Warlocks oh, yeah. was that, yeah, incredible that was, that was <laughs> a year one a huge year one build mm -hmm. Obsidian Mind and, uh, and Bad Juju I have a yeah you could get your Nova Bomb I think in like 10 seconds if you, like if you went to the pit with a crotus yep. end you just start m killing all the thrall with bad juju and nova bomb every 10 seconds and it was insane yeah i have a video <coughs> i think the first video i ever recorded in destiny was the we've woken the hive thing <laughs> where the first few thrall come running out and i pop them all off with bad juju and then i just nova bomb the doorway with mm -hmm. Uh, obsidian mine and I immediately had my super back so I Nova bombed everything again like a second later <laughs> then I got it back again I had three Nova bombs in a row so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like this is what it, this is what amazing. warlock is <laughs> this is awesome yep. power of the void uh, so this gun originally did not drop from an engram or any kind well I guess it could drop from crota but uh, well, maybe not 
Uh, it was only available through a quest called Toland's Legacy. This is the first time we were introduced to Toland in the game. So what would happen in year one is that after turning in bounties, you would sometimes get these weapon bounties, these exotic bounties, uh, and you'd have to complete a whole bunch of little parts in order to get the weapon eventually that came from the end of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so Bad Juju's was Toland's Legacy, and that is described as guardians on a vital on vital strike missions have found signs of Tolan the Shattered, a once esteemed warlock whose obsessions led to his exile. The Vanguard would like you to investigate his trail. Uh, before we get into this, I'm going to point out right now, we're going to discover some huge inconsistencies <laughs> between year one and year two and what we know about Tolan the Shattered, uh, specifically concerning his journal. So, there was technically nine parts to this quest uh, so once you got the bounty the first thing you had to do was complete a weekly heroic or nightfall strike to obtain Tolan's journal fragmented uh, the weekly heroic for people who again for non year one players the weekly heroic strikes used to be much different <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, they were almost always like nightfall light versions sometimes they were harder yeah uh, they were usually no harder because they didn't have the burns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no matchmaking either. So, yeah, the weekly heroic used to be... So, completing a weekly heroic or a nightfall, neither of those were easy tasks uh, in year one. So, when you acquire Toland's journal fragmented, uh, it reads, The journals of Toland have been sought after by the warlocks in the tower for many generations. And I pointed out, what does the word generations mean? <laughs> yeah, and guardians don't make guardian babies yeah. No, yeah guardians are immortal and even before that people lived for 300 years so what <laughs> does and, so but, for, and this is interesting because so a generation is generally considered to be a pretty long period of time so this places the new guardian age many generations after the city age where Toland was sort of in prominence and that's a much much longer timeline than we sort of believed the game well, to be occurring in yeah how, how long would that mean that Eris was stuck in yeah exactly <laughs> so <laughs> that's like... so that's a weird weird wording I mean again we could be stumbling we're gonna this is gonna happen a lot with these quests and this would be a reason why they were removed from the game because <laughs> <laughs> they conflict directly with what we know now <clears throat> well, here we go again. So you bring the journal, step two, bring the journal to Ikora Ray to obtain Tolan's journal fragmented. Uh, when you talk to Ikora Ray, she says, this journal has been missing for centuries. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> this is completely out of whack with the timeline we know. Uh, centuries. There were centuries between... Toland's exile and the current New Guardian Age. That's maybe he lost his journal long before he was. They started exiled. a new one. <laughs> he must have started. Well, he can't because he gives his journal to Eris, right? True. When they go down into the pit, so he still has it at that. Was Eris down there for centuries? Was it lost with her? Yeah, Scrota was on the moon for centuries. <laughs> 
I mean, the fact that all these pages are everywhere, it's like, I just imagine, like, Toland gleefully tearing pages out as he travels the universe, <laughs> just, like, leaving them everywhere. Somebody will find these. Uh, so Toland's journal, Fragmented, reads, Toland obsessed over the power of the Traveler and the secrets of the darkness. His quest took him into enemy strongholds throughout the inner solar system. Search for more fragments there. God, I hate this. Yeah. As far as we know, Toland was not obsessed with the power of the Traveler. He was obsessed with the Hive. Uh, so that's weird. Well, it says, and the secrets of the darkness. So maybe it's just, I don't know. Because I've always seen it as Toland being obsessed with po power, power. And the knowledge of power. And so maybe it started with the power of the Traveler. And not recognizing this amazing power right in front of him and then that led to you know the darkness and finding more power there and then took him into enemy stronghold like we know yeah. his passion for we know we get a lot of transcripts and of his his thoughts during the fire team with uh, Eris and knowing that his his thirst for that power of this this death song yeah and so that you know could it just could just be kind of the the path that he was on so <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to accept it. I'm certainly... We also don't know if this happens before or after his exile. Uh, mm -hmm. So, and this step, again, steps that year one guardians will never have to experience. Complete 25 additional strikes <laughs> to obtain <laughs> Tolan's journal encrypted. Uh, yeah. Although I would say I'd rather do that step than farm 10 random materials from oh, said yeah. planet to grab my exotic <laughs> good call i uh, absolutely i agree <laughs> at least at least completing 25 strikes was playing the game <laughs> hey and so, if you had to do 25 strikes now you'd use three of coins and you'd get three more exotics out of exactly. it well the nightfalls so. counted as three and weekly uh <clears> and <throat> heroic strikes counted as two so yeah but still it's a lot of strikes i did yeah. the uh sepkis prime strike a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. Toland's journal yeah. encrypted, uh, which reads, These journals, the journal's scattered fragments recognize each other. Perhaps Toland always meant for them to be reassembled. Unfortunately, you have no idea how to access the data. <laughs> this is also, uh, this was one of the other ones, too, that I mentioned. I feel like the quests now, they never address the player or the player's character directly. Mm -hmm. They never say you. Like, this, unfortunately, you yeah. have no idea. And that's, like, very, like, RPG-ish. So that's language used uh, in a lot of role-playing games, not necessarily in Destiny. A lot of times it's Guardian, Guardian, Guardian. Mm -hmm. so. It's true. That's a good point. So then you run out. You do tw That's only step three, by the way. There's six <laughs> more. Uh, <laughs> so you bring the journal back to Ikora Ray uh, to obtain Tolan's journal decrypted. And here we go. Okay. So Ikora Ray says, This journal is encrypted with a formidable cipher that demands the attention of a senior warlock and her ghost. We never find out who that senior warlock is, nor do we know anything about her ghost. Uh, <laughs> the game just tells you that, or Ikora just tells you that. It's, I don't even know that it's her. Uh, and that returns to you, Tolan's journal decrypted. <clears throat> Among other secrets, this journal contains the pattern of a weapon forged in Toland's madness. The gunsmith may be able to make use of it. B 
Be cautious, Guardian. Toland was banished for a good reason. Okay, well, thanks, Toland. Uh, <laughs> and also, we don't know who this description is coming from. Uh, apparently, like this description is coming from this senior warlock, and I have to imagine that anybody... And it's senior, does senior mean, like, I don't... We don't know warlocks have ranks, like what senior really means, other than vanguard mm-hmm. and not vanguard. Uh, but it seems like this senior warlock may have known... Who told, may have known Toland directly, or at least known who he was, uh, given the the use of the word madness, and that he she knows he was banished for a good reason. Right. So they bring the journal to the gunsmith, uh, and you get a black market coupon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Silly things that happen to Destiny Year One. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here we go. Uh, if you want to go through with this, I hope you are stronger than Toland. Bring me a darkness-marked weapon frame from Zer. Take this coupon to him. No doubt he'll expect payment for his trouble. I'll send the journal back to Ikora Ray so it can be contained. No! God damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to point out, at this point... We had it! We had it. Oh, Did we just we, sell Tolan's journal for a coupon? For a coupon. <laughs> this confirms that Zer accepts oh, coupons, apparently. I'm waiting for double coupon Zer's day. Right. <laughs> I would just like to point out, in light of all the Books of Sorrows episodes, of all the episodes we have done where we talked about Toland and his journal, the Eris Fire Team, the Books of Sorrow, Osiris, right here we had... Toland's journal in our hand and Banshee takes it away from us and gives it to Ikora Ray. I would like to point out now that the Warlocks have a complete copy of Toland's journal. <laughs> Way back here in year one. Like, Look, I already said one thing that X-Ray's going to have to bleep, so if you want to <laughs> do it, okay. add one. I don't care. It's okay. I'm, I'm with everything that Banshee does for us. I don't feel the need to use abrasive language towards him, and he'll probably just gonna forget about it anyway. The next time he gets his mind wiped, uh, but this is a jerk move, Banshee. Wow. Uh, so yeah, you bring the coupon to Zer, uh, and. You need the darkness-infused weapon frame. So, in Zer's inventory, it reads, A weapon component instilled with the power of our enemies, only purchasable with a black market coupon. (laughs) 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 I'm just like, imagine like, it's like six in the morning, Banshee has his cup of coffee, he's kicking back in a chair with the newspaper, cutting (laughs) coupons out of the the section, and he's like, oh... I guess they're running a black market coupon this week. It's clipping away. And then he gives it to us to give to Zer, and Zer's like, "Sweet, <laughs> a black market coupon." <laughs> uh, the darkness infused weapon frame reads: Whenever you hold the weapon, your ghost begins to look delicious. <laughs> it's probably best to bring this to the gunsmith as soon as possible. <laughs> Like this is some great these little tidbits and I I mentioned before uh 
none of this stuff appears anywhere in uh, like the grimoire. These these words, these descriptions only ever appeared in game. So with these bounties being gone, I was going back and watching videos on YouTube of of people doing these quests back in year one. I kept like freeze framing it, hoping they would <laughs> put their cursor over the item so I could read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's great great stuff like this is in there. Delicious. Our, our delicious ghost. And now I have a chocolate ghost. Uh, <laughs> it actually does look delicious. It does look delicious. And for the record, uh, the darkness-infused weapon frame, even with the coupon, still costs you one strange coin. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then, apparently... I guess it's better than the, what, 20? One that most is it, primaries cost? Is it? Oh, I think 23. 13 for armor. Yeah. Uh, I think primaries are 23, specials so are yeah, 17. It's a good coupon. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could get more of those. Yeah. <laughs> so you, then I guess apparently your ghost is looking, it's like a floating hamburger next to you all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, so you, gotta, you run, run the frame back to the gunsmith, uh, to which he says, the next step is distasteful to me. Perhaps not. Perhaps to you as well, but perhaps not. And then he will give you the darkness-infused pulse rifle. So okay, this is all part of one single quest you had to do to get bad juju. Uh, so darkness-infused pulse rifle. <clears throat> the darkness must be set in conflict with the traveler's light. Bathe this weapon in the energies of guardians in the crucible, warlocks in particular. <laughs> Return to me when you're done. Uh, <clears throat> so a big this step in the quest is really what ties this gun to the Weapons of Sorrow. Uh, this is a, a merging sort of humanity's weapons of war now, which are the Guardians, uh, with uh, a weapon that is infused with the power of darkness or with some something from the Hive, like whether Toland learned a spell or learned how to infuse things with the the power of the darkness in his studies or whatever that's what we're coming across here this merging of the darkness and the light in a weapon to create what we believe to be a weapon of sorrow uh and in my notes here i said this is starting to sound like the thorn quest but we haven't talked about thorn yet so when we talk about thorn i'll relate it back here to how it's very very similar uh to the bad juju quest in certain areas. Mm. Uh, so yeah, then you need to go into the Crucible and earn 10,000 points uh, to get the Sated Pulse Rifle. So uh, a Titan or Hunter kill or an assist was worth 25 points, but a Warlock killer assist is worth 75. Warlock Masterclass confirmed. Uh, master at giving you their life force because <laughs> they're more powerful their their power counts more <laughs> uh well i mean it's not so it's not explained here why warlocks i mean other than the fact that toland was a warlock and the warlocks are involved here or whatever uh <laughs> the gun just and again we talk about guns having personalities being more than just weapons this gun does not like warlocks so <laughs> that's why you're getting extra points but also remember that 20 25 points for a titaner hunter uh, or 75 for a warlock and you needed 10,000 <laughs> you had to play a lot of crucible and there's a lot of times back in the day like in year one warlocks 
I did not see a lot of warlocks in the Crucible. Like, I remember cheering when I was able to bring down a warlock. Uh, yeah, your one was... A lot of people... It was usually hunters were most people's first choice, or titan. And then once they everyone saw how good they were in raids, especially Vault of Glass, they're like, oh, I guess they should create a warlock. Yeah. Or, like me, if they really wanted a Thor, yeah. they created a warlock. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, oh man, back back when, when Arc Blade was completely, like, totally broken, uh, when Acleophage had no negative impact on Golden Gun and you just had a mm-hmm. roaming four-shot super. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Striker Titan was beastly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess we can I get into this more on when we get to the Thor quest, but I first started it on my bubble Titan. I, I quit that one. <laughs> <laughs> I started over on my on my warlock. Yeah, I I picked it up on Hunter. I only had a Hunter at the time. And Hunter, there was no Void Hunter. Uh, mm-hmm. So you were limited only to the weapons you had to try and get those kills. And I'm like, forget this. I'm making a warlock. And I just made a warlock <laughs> solely. And all I did was grind bounties to get the Thorn bounty. And then all I did was grind Crucible with, with, my, with my Void Walker. Uh, so once you've acquired your 10,000 points... Uh, you bring it back to the gunsmith, and he says, Toland, in a fit of humor or madness, called the weapon Bad Juju. It awaits your hand. And that's what gave you the gun. So, these quests were no joke. Uh, <clears throat> and that takes us to sort of the, the more mechanical side of this of this weapon. Uh, and it's sort of like very unique look. Uh, it's got that crazy bird skull in the front that just black and green smoke pour out of. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. I love the look on that gun. Uh, it's got like the spine across the top of it. Uh, it does look strange for a pulse rifle, and that is because even though it is a pulse rifle, it uses the animation rig of a scout rifle. Uh, it's pretty easy to see when you look at it. Uh, the term bad juju says it generally refers to a bad vibe or aura. I can be used as a noun or an adjective. Uh, part of a spiritual belief incorporating objects such as amulets or spells used in religious practice or as part of witchcraft, uh, predominantly in West Africa. So that's where the term comes from, bad juju, <clears throat> which makes sense in a lot of different ways. Uh, yeah, bad juju got a huge bump. Again, that, that exotic tuning update, a lot of exotics. It's going to come up a lot because a lot of exotics got tweaked at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a bad juju got a, a big uh, mag size increase to eight. Yeah, and that was that was huge because I think it started out with just fifteen. Yep, bullets in the magazine, which for a pulse rifle is terrible. <laughs> uh, ammo inventory, especially because it has also has full auto. Like if you weren't if mm-hmm. you weren't getting kills, you were you were melting through your ammo. Uh, its overall ammo was increased. Uh, String of curses added the super cooldown on kill, which is awesome. And this, and we're gonna talk. This happens to some other guns that the effects on the front of the gun no longer block the aiming reticule. Uh, this has happened with some guns, even in year two. I think this has happened with some guns where if you look down the sights of your gun, either the cool effect on the front of the gun or the muzzle flash is the same color as your reticules. So the reticule on Bad Juju uh. is neon green. So mm-hmm. the smoke and lighting effects from the skull would remove, like, ob- obfuscate your aiming reticule if you were looking down sights on bad juju. Uh, 
and there's a note here about <laughs> if you've ever played World of Warcraft, there is an epic armor trinket called Bad Juju. Uh-huh. Which is much cool not much cooler than ours, but it summons voodoo gnomes. Ooh. So, but yeah, that's Bad Juju. That was that was our first introduction to Toland, uh, and sort of the, the wacky stuff that he did. It's commonly believed that Bad Juju was his attempt to create a weapon of sorrow. I think he did a pretty good job. <laughs> pretty good job. This gun was awesome in year one. It continues to be awesome now. Uh, and it's had its ups and downs with the... I mean, we had that great pulse rifle buff <laughs> a while back where all of a sudden pulse rifles were just like the the death gun to own. Uh, and Bad Juju benefited from that that overall mm-hmm. buff. They've been dialed back a little bit, but this is still a good gun. Yeah, it's the same archetype as the uh, like the Hawksaw and the PDX you know, 45. Yep. So if, if you haven't given it a try yet and you're a fan of those pulse rifles, give it a shot. The stability kicks a little hard, uh, especially with the full auto, but if you can get it down, it's pretty deadly. And it's still a great pairing with uh, with Obsidian. Yeah, PV, PVE is still very very good. Yes, I think a lot of people run this when like uh, Challenge of Elders is super kills. Mm-hmm. You'd be hard pressed just because you can get your super charged so fast with bad juju. Uh, but it's tough, like because you can do the same thing, kind of, uh, with the supercell, which also charges your super on double kills. So. And gives you your ammo back a little bit. So mm-hmm. maybe whoever made Supercell studied Tolan's notes, since the perks mm-hmm. are kind of similar. Hmm. All right. Well, we got two more pulse rifles to talk about. Uh, one is new, and one goes way back to the beginning of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we should start with the past first. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Red Death. This was my first exotic ever. Oh, this was your first. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I kind of have. I, I have two. Count two firsts. This was the first exotic I ever had, but I bought it from Zer. All right. And then later, the last word was the first one that I actually ever had like drop for me. But but this is the first exotic I ever. I I chose. Uh, this I think there was a Titan armor at the same time that I passed up on because I wanted this gun. Nice, yeah. And it was fun for me. It was Hard Light was the first dropped exotic I ever got, and then Bad Juju was the first one I quested for. Nice. <clears throat> All right, Red Death Vanguard policy urges Guardians to destroy this weapon on site. It is a Guardian killer worth noting now that that last line it is a guardian killer no longer appears on the weapon uh year one or year two it has been removed from both and the belief there is that because destiny is rated t for team uh it's difficult to use the word kill or killed or killing in a description of anything Mm mm-hmm uh so it was removed from red death and you can find the same thing on the cloak of dredgenior whose name I just said, and now I'm going to have nightmares about it. Uh, <laughs> it, was removed, it was removed from his cloak as well. Uh, mm. In reference to Bahanan, who we will talk about at some point in this show, or on the course of this topic. <clears throat> Grimoire, Red Death. 
Only rumors tell of the Mad Guardian who fashioned this butcher's tool, but its power is undeniable and fear is a formidable weapon. Uh, yeah, Mad Guardian. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> Mad Guardian. I have my suspicions. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, we do know at least one Guardian who is both mad and a decent weaponsmith. Mm-hmm. It had some somewhat similar perks, too. True. <laughs> Wait. No, it doesn't. Well, not the. Uh, I think the like the essence of the perk. Like each kill gives you something. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I so the the reference here for me the reference here is to Toland. Uh, yes. He's referred to as Mad quite often, but Very often. but he was no <laughs> he was no butcher. He wasn't malicious mm-hmm. like this. Uh, and then we're gonna get to the yeah. history of this weapon where that still leaves it a little bit obscure. Uh, mm-hmm but potential there so yeah Yeah, i could the way i saw it was you know this is just my theory so this is not really anything but like i could see him kind of crafting it and then maybe throwing it aside and his mind not being complete and then someone else who maybe has that darker motives was able to kind of pick it up and maybe put it to use or something like Mm -hmm. that but i kind of i definitely see tolan-esque traits to the to the gun and I just think it's it's yeah. such a like a violent looking weapon. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, signature perk is Red Death. Each kill heals you and speeds up reloads. Uh it's worth knowing that this is not a chance like Soros has. This is each kill just starts immediately starts uh, mm-hmm. the shields or health regen process. I use this gun a lot in Vault of Glass. Uh, especially during the oracles phase, just because when you're defending right side and your partner goes down, <laughs> the only way to stay alive in year one uh, was to have a weapon that was going to heal you, unless you were really really good. And I just like the weapon that healed me. So, yeah, Red Death was my go-to for Vault of Glass, at least that part of the vault. Uh, has no quest. It was designed by Frank Capizzuto and Tom Doyle. Uh, oh, yep, there we go. Uh, <clears throat> so, in year one, there wasn't a lot of in-game history to this weapon, uh, but in year two, they introduced an, I believe it's an auto rifle, the Red Spectre. Yep. And its flavor text reads, Rumor has it that Red Death prototypes... Are circulating in the crucible once again uh, but this is going to go against some of the notes we have down oh no yeah well some of the notes we have down here so well let's jump to those and we'll come back here to red specter so uh originally way back in like the beta tom doyle described red death as quote this is our heavy metal gun Uh, a savage bandit weapon it provides a look to the world outside the city this new frontier is harsh and at times cruel he has another quote says this is a weapon that was taken from a fallen guardian the new owner had it repainted and modded the optics were even hacked with new graphics so that flies in the face of there ever being a prototype uh Unless the guardian who fell was carrying a red specter. Uh, 
But if that's the case, then it was probably unlikely that it was Toland. Mm-hmm. Because if Toland was carrying an auto rifle, there was a very high probability that he was carrying uh, the one that he made. Why can't I remember it? I have it equipped. Shadow, Shadow, Shadow Price, Price. Which I have equipped right now. Yeah, so Toland created Shadow Price. So, uh, so, but I mean, maybe there's the possibility there that, you know, at some point Shadow Price was lost and somebody, you know, tweaked Shadow Price into Red Spectre, then they got themselves killed. And then some nut job found the Red Spectre and turned it into Red Death. Mm-hmm. They are all, are all the same body type. So that, but that history didn't make itself apparent to us here uh, in year two. So, and it's weird because if, again, if Red Death was a singular weapon that was modified from a Fallen Guardian's weapon, Red Death would be the prototype. Uh, we mentioned before Red Death is one of the few guns that has a bayonet on it. It's also got little skulls and crossbones all over it. <laughs> it's a cool. It's a it's a fun looking gun. Uh and here's a fun fact. I'm going to bring this up with a couple of the other guns where it makes sense to do so. <clears throat> if you render Red Death in 3D and then you look at its barrel size, <laughs> it is thir- it fires a 32 millimeter round. Uh, the GAU-8 Avenger, which is the anti-tank hydraulic autocannon that's mounted to the front of the A-10 Thunderbolt Warthog, which is like the army's tank killing aircraft that's only a 30 millimeter round uh for a closer comparison like trying to imagine that's like a foot long shell right that is designed to penetrate the armor of tanks (laughs) uh universal remote is 31 millimeter universal remote is a shotgun red death (laughs) is a pulse rifle red death's rounds are bigger than universal remotes (laughs) (laughs) is bananas Uh, I'm trying to get a a good idea for size so I believe like 15.3 millimeter is half an inch which means that a 32 millimeter round is a round with a one inch diameter jeez (laughs) on a pulse rifle (laughs) so uh that's twice the diameter of a 12-gauge shotgun shot. There you go. <laughs> That's, it's, it's like, I can't even think of something that has that diameter, like, off the top of my head. It's like firing a screwdriver handle out of your gun. <laughs> like, uh, that's nuts. They, I don't know if that's an oversight when the gun was designed. I don't know if, uh, I'll link this in the show notes to the this, this group of dudes who... 3D spec all the barrel sizes for and like weights and, and measurements for the guns uh, but yeah I think Red Death is the largest of all of them which is ridiculous that's awesome <laughs> uh, it lives up to its name uh, there would yeah, be- I remember um, I got my first my first Red Death uh, from Crota's End before they patched the first chest Ooh, nice. Uh, oh, nice. when you could you could just load in and run to the first door and if the chest wasn't there you could just wipe yep <laughs> so I, I got just, a galahorn out of that <laughs> oh man really <laughs> I just did that yeah. over and over again um, 
And yeah, ended up pulling a red death out of it. That was pretty nice. cool. Then they patched yeah. it. I'm ashamed to say how many Gallahorns I've had in my day. <laughs> yeah, I think I got my third, fourth, up to ninth the red death from that chest. Nice. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think I got my first every one time. from Crota himself. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get Gallahorn until like a couple weeks before House of Wolves dropped, but I had plenty of red deaths. My, my brother got Gallahorn from a cruise regular crucible <laughs> drop what like on a random clash match way back in year one <laughs> stupid yeah my my older brother was a uh, him and his wife were christmas noobs and uh, me and my younger brother we'd played since beta and neither of us had galahorn his very first nightfall he got a galahorn <laughs> We're just like, are you kidding me? That's when you just set your controller down on the couch next to you and karate yep. chop it. Yep. yep. I'm pretty sure my brother just turned off his Xbox and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even say anything. We're just like all of a sudden, like it kind of like could see it kind of freezing because he was the host and just like like why are we stuck in orbit? It's like player has left the party or whatever. <laughs> this <laughs> is this is why like the, Dustin left. <laughs> when we get to heavy exotics, it's gonna be anecdote central. I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's Red Death. Uh, it's still, I mean, it's still fun. I don't see it nearly as often as I used to. No. Like, after the pulse rifle buff, I saw it everywhere. It was in every Crucible match, there's just, they were all over the place. Just because in a Crucible match, when your pulse rifle's that buffed and it heals you every time you get a kill, what other gun is there to use? Uh, and that takes us to our only year two pulse rifle the most frustrating thing <laughs> which is ever the <laughs> the no time to explain got a single word is etched onto the inside of the weapons casing soon <laughs> <laughs> not soon yeah. enough not soon enough definitely not soon <laughs> enough so we talked about this gun a lot in the Future War Cult episode because this gun is explicitly tied to Future War Cult. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we'll go over the basics of it again, and it'll be difficult to talk about this gun without talking about another. Uh, but we'll we'll see what we see what we how far we get <laughs> talking about this. <laughs> okay. So grimoire. Navarro's timeline analysis indicates the weapon is the fabled Exo Stranger's rifle, enhanced at a future point in this continuity, and then sent back to this present. Delia's timeline analysis indicates the weapon was built by Pradith, who based it on his own version of the Stranger's rifle, and then sent it adrift in a time ripple. Hari's timeline analysis indicates the weapon was built by beings of unidentifiable origin, and then arrived here by pure accident. Inashi's timeline analysis indicates the weapon originates from Earth, late Golden Age, and will eventually be lost to time ripples once again, where its systems will degrade and be replaced until our recent past acquires it as the Exo Stranger's rifle. For me, I think it's safe to say the weapon is proving far more fun than we could have hoped. <laughs> I love the future war cult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I believe that, that for me... Uh, is Lakshmi 2. Lakshmi. Yeah, that, that seems Lakshmi-ish. So, so it's worth 
noting that yet this gun's model is the Exo Stranger's rifle, the legendary mm-hmm. uh, that we get at the uh, end of the story missions, the over the vanilla story missions. The year one, yeah, year one, yeah, or story one. So this is the exotic version of it that was introduced uh, with the Taken King. Uh, we outlined a lot of this quest when we talked about uh, so the well the perk the exotic perk uh, is called rewind again precision hits are immediately returned to the magazine then uh, the quest is not forged in light which we covered in depth last episode uh, and it picks up immediately after the opening quest paradox ends uh so I've included all the text for this mission here. I'm not sure if we read uh, all these. I think we did. Uh, if not all of them, then almost all of them. Yeah. We went through so much of mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So, and this is hunting down the Taken Minotaur uh, to get the simulation core, then going and killing Atheon, then going to the Twilight Gap, then going to get Anna Bray's ring, going to the Black Garden to get Pujari's ring, which isn't really Pujari's ring. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Anna Bray's bracelet and Pujari's ring. Uh, and then the overall conclusion, and then it, I believe our work is over. For now, Praetis files have been unspooled, their data undone. Uh, a weapon transmatted for from, from some time and place, and specifically for you. Someone has taken notice of our actions, Guardian. And that is the Stranger. Exo Stranger. Uh I mean, this is a decent gun. I think I used it in Challenge of Elders. It's funny how Challenge of Elders has really become like a testing ground for exotics <laughs> you don't normally use. It just throws enemies at you. Yeah. Oh, it's because it was Precision Kills and Juggler, I believe. Oh, yeah. So oh, the geez. Rewind Again perk basically negates Juggler as long as you can get the Precision Kills, which you're trying to get anyway. Right, right. Yeah, that's pretty much perfect for this gun. Yeah. Which is good. This gun needs some love. Yeah. Well, this is one of those other guns originally that uh, the aiming reticule is yellow, which means that the f- the muzzle flash from the gun obscured the reticule when you were aiming down sights, <laughs> uh, and that has been tweaked. <laughs> yeah. So, But if you're familiar with the stranger's rifle, you'll... Other than the exotic perk, you will be familiar with this gun. So, so it's worth all to worth. I mean, I don't know if you're talking about it now. Uh, there's a scout rifle that also uses this model, but we could probably just talk about that when we talk about scouts. Works for me. So, <clears throat> so yeah. So that is that gives us a lovely lovely two hours of talking about auto rifles and pulse rifles <laughs> uh, next episode we'll be talking about scouts and hand cannons <laughs> I feel like that's going to run a little longer than two a hours a little longer be good. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge scout rifle fan so I'm really looking forward to talking about scouts I'm a huge hand cannon fan so I'm excited <laughs> to talk about that one and I think we all know what's going to have to end up getting discussed in <laughs> exotic hand cannons. <laughs> Which I don't know what you're talking about. Next time for that one. <laughs> uh, and get ready for more. Again, if you weren't familiar uh, with some of these year one weapons quests, where there's a couple more we need to go through. 
And man, uh, Thorn. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but there's some other good ones here. Um, uh, especially in Scouts too. We got some good. We got some hilarious inconsistencies. We'll talk about in Scout Rifles. Uh, and some like complete. It's funny how I feel like Scout Rifles were such a, a neglected weapon class in vanilla. Yeah. But now there are just some beastly scout rifles in the game. Uh, year two really yeah. brought in some great exotic scouts. Well, it was just the one vanilla, wasn't it? The Mida. Yeah, just Mida. Yeah. Well, technically not. Technically, that, technically yeah. the fate of all fools existed in year one. Uh, and I guess technically Punk Prayer existed uh, in year one since it was discovered just before Dark Below was released. But hey, we'll talk about that next time. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody's running to Google what that is. Punk prayer, punk prayer, what is that? Uh, but I've dug up, we've dug up a lot of good stuff on on the rest of these guns, so uh, look forward to Exotic Weapons Part 2, and that's just primaries. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get exotics done before uh, Rise of Iron if we... Uh, think we're gonna do primary special and heavy and armor oh my god yeah, there's so much armor too oh, man. <laughs> oh my god what are, what is this we'll okay see. how so many how many weeks do we have maybe Th- armor we can break down by class or something yeah uh, we'll have to do class probably yeah so these notes are up to 30 pages the, the good news is warlocks don't have boots so oh <laughs> <laughs> it's 30 pages and we just i think have the armor listed we don't have any information on it really well not even all this is done yet either oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> i still got better get to cracking we yeah, got till thursday i got some i got a little <laughs> bit of stuff to fill in on on shotgun just because i'm not a shotgun person i just did them last uh i mean we could probably do an entire three hour episode just talking about like crazy stuff we did in year one with the heavies so, like <laughs> I mean, the Thunderlord notes by themselves are two and a half pages. Oh man, uh, Thunderlord! Thunderlord is so good. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Solar Lord. Oh yeah, that, that was in the uh, Fire Lord. That video. <clears throat> mm-hmm. All we'll right. See. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, and I know we mentioned this on the last episode, so two weeks ago, that we broke half a million downloads. Guess what? what? We've had like 50,000 since then. What? Yeah. It's just like, I feel like there's one person who's just I, got like, somebody's an, hacking. like an IP yes. switcher, and they just keep downloading <laughs> our show over and over again or something. It, it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> it's probably it's crazy. I, I look at that number, and I'm like, man, who is... Right. And, and I feel like I feel like the like the weeks we skip, <clears throat> yeah, like we, we like for Father's Day, you know, we weren't on. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to take a hit on our on our stats and our, our, you know, our little graph that shows, how, you know, what we get is going to drop down. And, man, people just keep downloading stuff. And it's like, it's, it's weird. It's... <laughs> it's amazing. I, our listeners are awesome, and I, I love them. And no more one-star ratings, please. <laughs> and Unless if you we do, deserve a message. They did. Did you saw the one. message? We talked about that. Oh, you weren't on. <laughs> yes. Oh, did we get another one? Yeah, but it had a. It actually had a. It. I don't know. I think it was a joke, but it was a one-star. 
Well, hey, it was also, if you're listening to this episode and you've got, like, a hilarious or a great story about, like, an exotic that you, like, hunted forever for or, like, that you always had with you or, or like, really changed the way you play the game, like, let us know. Like, jump into the fan chat and tell us an exotic story or, or shoot us an email or get on Twitter and tell us an exotic story. That'd be great. Yeah. If we can get, uh, we should have this episode out on Tuesday, so if you're listening to this on Tuesday and Wednesday, and get us a message uh, somehow before we try to record on Thursday. Maybe, maybe we'll uh, make sure it's about what do we say? Scouts and hand scouts cannons. Scouts and hand cannons. Yeah, maybe we'll. we'll if there's a, if there's a good one, we'll we'll share it for sure. Or even pulses and autos. Like just yeah, cover this one. Yeah, like yeah. If you got a great story about uh, an exotic primary, you know, shoot it over to us or anything. We'll 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 back up the other one. We'll save the other ones uh, for the other episodes, but. I feel like everybody's got a greatest a great story about an exotic they really fell in love with. And there's a reason why like people hunt these things incessantly, like yeah. collecting them all is a big deal. Absolutely. Speaking of that, you know, we really I know that we're getting into these exotics and it's going to take a while to get through them, but we might have to uh slip a little fan question episode in again. We're Ooh. we're overdue for that and we I are. think we've we we are getting more and more emails every day uh and so it's uh there's some there's some good ones i think yeah i'd love to i love those episodes i know they're so much fun so and i gotta start planning out april fool's day for next year (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna pop up before we know it and (laughs) you're just gonna say welcome in 30 different languages yeah i know i saw the message you sent me with all those i don't think i don't know if i can learn those even in a year (laughs) oh something something we didn't talk about that i think we should that came up in our in our listener chat this past weekend um or i guess late last week uh i don't know if if you if we're not nerdy enough as it is already we started a book club nice yeah 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 so we've got a channel in our slack now that we're going to pick a book and talk about and and read and and just get some discussions going on stuff kind of other than destiny so that that should be fun what book are they uh, discussing right now? First, well, we haven't. We're we're getting ready to kick it off, and the first week we're going to start with old Seth Dickinson's uh, novel that we talked about on our interview with him, the Trader Baru Cormorant. Nice. So that should be a, a fun way to start out, and uh, it's it's. And somebody in our chat is going to be reading along with their signed copy. <laughs> oh, I man. know, man. Yeah, the other there, they posted a picture of it, and everybody was not happy. Jealous. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this will this episode will come out on Tuesday. Um, so we'll give everybody a week to to get the book, and then we'll do like ten chapters a week, knock it out. You know, the whole process in a month, and then see if we want to do it again. So nice. Um, yeah, anybody out there uh, that wants to get on that should email us and get an invite to the chat, and we yeah. will uh, yeah join in. Yeah, destinyghoststories at gmail dot com, and even if you don't want to discuss the lore or anything else you can get in there just for the for the new book club we're we're trying to get going a the, little bit the yep. book club and the shenanigans <laughs> oh and uh yeah we were having a, a a pvp tournament too with our oh, slack yeah, right that's right man there's so and much a stuff raid race yeah Ugh, i can't so even I saw, keep track of all this stuff anymore. i saw zane posting about that nice yeah yeah so yeah, we've got a lot's got a going on good pvp group throwing together some fun stuff so yeah if you want to jump in on that Hit us up. Cool. Otherwise, stay tuned for some more uh, fun episodes coming up. Yep. And uh, you, know, you know be... it's coming. 
Hand cannons. Hand mm-hmm. cannons are coming. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're still lo- if you're still lost, go look up what the exotic hand cannons are, and uh, hopefully that answers it. No, don't don't look at any of them. <laughs> never don't equip don't them either. Never unequip your fate bringer and come in refresh. <laughs> Fatebringer, uh-huh. the only true exotic hand cannon. We should we should put that as an exotic hand cannon because it should be. Hey, who knows? Maybe it'll come back as an exotic. <clears throat> maybe or maybe it already did. Someone slipped it into a time stream or whatever, and it's gonna just pop up. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, are those uh, the last words? Oh, that hurt me. <laughs> that hurt me. Wow. I know. I, I almost puked a little just saying it, but. Uh, Destiny That's it. Jokes. We're done. You don't, don't want to leave us with a string of curses? Uh, <laughs> the puns. I've said enough of those that he has to bleep out. <laughs> That's true. You got your you got your taste of the string of curses at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. That's right. All right. That is it. We're done with uh, with this episode. Exotic Weapons Part 1. In the books. On the books. 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 Should make some people happy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. We will see you next time.